0: How great is our God, sing with me, how great is
1: our God, and all will see how great, how great
0: is our God, God, we invite you into this service today. We lift you up right now, and we celebrate you. Amen.
1: The splendor of the king. How great, how great is our God!
0: weeks ago. Let's give this a try. giving, and it's just time for us to give back and say, thank you, God, for your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, thank you, God, for our relationships, for the way that you provide, thank you, God, I feel like uh, we say, God, I need a lot, maybe a lot more than we say, God, I thank So, as we head towards prayer time, let's just sing thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross and thank you for the press you please. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for ending grace. Thank you for your hope. And thank you. For this life you kill
0: no one like you.
1: There's no one like you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price
2: you pay. Friends, let's uh, put ourselves in a posture of listening um, and awareness of God's presence with us. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are always near. Always near. No matter how far away we think we are from you, you are always near to us. No matter if we get that adrenaline rush of a good praise and worship song, no matter if we feel goosebumps or tears come to our eyes, (laughs) forgive us, God, for expecting that. You are always near. There's nothing that we could say or do to leave (laughs) your nearness. God, I... I've not always been so um, aware of that. Oh, but when I know that even when my back is turned to you, even when our relationship isn't as it should be, you are always near. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you that you are the kind of God that walks with us and even chases us sometimes. But you are always with us. Your presence is always with us. God, I confess that I may be among those sometimes that I chase the next big feeling of you when you have called me you have called us to the slow and steady you have called us to the long term walking with you you have called us To the awareness that you are enough. You. None of the other stuff. But that you are enough. You have called us to be disciples who walk with you every single day. Lord, I pray that you will help us to not just be people that show up on a Sunday morning and expect to receive all of this stuff and feelings and emotions and all of the the good things from you and then we don't follow you help us to be in step with you every day of our lives i think of the dusty roads that your disciples traveled with you on and how many days were not um, good but every day they walked with you and were transformed by you and said yes to you every single day. May we be those kinds of people, God. May we be the kind of people who walk with you every single day so that as we are among our friends and neighbors and strangers, they will sense your nearness. They will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what, you are there. And so, God, we give this time to you. We give this time and we bring ourselves to you to be changed and to grow, and to leave this place in such a way that we understand a little bit more the calling that you have on each of our lives, to be your hands and feet. Lord, will you do that today? Will you do something deep in our hearts that isn't a surface emotion? that it is deep transformational change. We all need it. I need it. And so I give myself to you. I give all of us to you in that way so that we can become um, more like you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Hello.
0: As Jen was praying, talking about the disciples who walked the dusty road with Jesus, my mind naturally went to Pharaoh. A man who has spent the better part of a century, walking with his Savior. Um, if you don't know, if you're not on our text last or our email, um, he, is, um, he is in the beginning stages of his homegoing. And uh, we love Patsy and the kids. And I uh, just want to take a moment and pray for him. So if you'll join me, I, I want to first say we believe in a God of miracles. So we believe that if God wills it, Pharaoh can be healed immediately. But we also know that we live in a world that um, has limitations. And until God comes and makes all things new, we, we live within these parameters of gravity, and death, and certain things that are just part of life. So we don't mandate to God what God does. We come to God and we pray for our brother. So let's just take a moment real fast. Um, God, I thank you for, for a faithful servant who has run his race well. And I pray right now that your will will be done. God, if this is the appointed time that you have for Pharaoh, I pray for peace. I pray for the family to know that uh, Pharaoh is going to be with the love of his life. Uh, The only love of his life probably outside of family and fishing. So I pray that you will be with him. I pray that if this is your appointed time, that the transition will be painless and smooth. Uh, But God, I don't want to miss an opportunity to ask for you to do something that just baffles and confounds the doctors and the people of this world. God. We believe that you are still the God that parts, sees, and you are still the God that heals, and you are still the God that provides, and you are still the God that protects, and you are still the God who is with us, and you are still an ever-present help in time of need, and our friend needs you right now. So Jesus, if it be your will, would you do something that only you can do? The doctors have said there's nothing they can do. There's nothing we can do other than bring our petition to you and so we do that now and we ask that you do something crazy i I, god i can't imagine what it would be like if my phone got a text in the middle of my sermon saying we don't know what happened but he's different god i believe you can do that if it's your will i pray that you will touch my friend if it's not your will Pharaoh has lived a quiet life, but it has not been an unproductive life. And I pray that you will raise up leaders in this church to fill the gap of a huge void that will be in our church when he's gone. We need women and men of faith that will be praying and in the word and serving like Farrell has done for close to 80 years. God, even if you do a miracle, we need that. Would you teach us all to be a little bit more uh, like him? When I think of Pharaoh, God, I think of Paul's words. It says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, We have a pretty good example of what it looks like to follow you by the way Pharaoh has lived his life. May we live that faithfully. Thank you for your goodness. Through all of this, we give you praise. Amen. Well, my name is Garen, and um, I'm going to step over here for a second. Actually, I'm not because of a microphone. Drew, could you help roll that over for me so that I don't get feedback? I'm one of the pastors along with Jen, and Tim is on a trip right now. And Jason, uh, I know, I'm getting you there. Jason, if you do not know, um, is another one of our pastors and it is his birthday today. And I thought about singing happy birthday, but our CCLI license doesn't cover the royalties, and so we would have to pay to do it. So what I thought we would do is if we can just all say happy birthday, Pastor Jason, on the count of three. Can we do that? Ready? Here we go. Jason, this is for you. One, two, three. Happy
1: birthday,
0: Pastor Jason. Yay. He turns twenty-six today. (laughs) And he's like, what is it, Benjamin Button? (laughs) He's going backwards. Uh, No, he actually, if you'll be praying for him, he is flying back. Uh, He's probably in the air right now. Um, He was performing a funeral for his grandmother's service. So um, pray for the Lipscomb family. They've lost two grandparents in two weeks. So it's been difficult. Um, We love you, uh, Mandy, Jason, boys and pray that you um, have peace right now and that you have a a good birthday. Well, my job is to give you a couple of announcements, and I'm going to go fast because we still have a lot of worship in different components to go. Let me tell you some things that are coming up. The first thing is Advent. Advent starts next week. I don't know if you realize that. Advent starts this year in November. Actually, I think just about every year it starts in November. We just don't always have a Sunday that does it. Well, yeah, wait. I don't know what I'm saying. Moving on. Advent starts next week. We have books. We are doing a study together, and so we want you to grab a book. They're in the back. If you can help support uh, the cost, it's $10 for a book or 2 for 15 if you don't like to share. That allows us to help those that can't afford it that we can give them a book. And so um, if you can support us, that'd be great. But we want you reading. It'll have daily devotionals from the wife of one of our general superintendents. And um, it's going to be great. We're going to be talking about adoring Christ for the next few weeks. So that's this week. And then I want to talk to you about what's next. Christmas offering. So every November and December till about January fifteenth, we do a Christmas offering. And this is above our tithes and offerings. And you guys give and give and give. I thank you. Every time we have a good neighbor offering, above tithes and offerings, you guys give five hundred, 2000 thousand, two thousand. For Haiti, over ten thousand dollars came in. Because if you're giving above and beyond your tithes and offerings, and this church is amazing. You see a need, you meet a need. Christmas offering is what we do every November, December, and we do three things. Some of it goes for things here, which is going to go towards our fixing up our building from Ian. So we're going to be, we're still in the process. We have two work and witness teams that will be coming in December. We have eight rooms to gut and renovate and, um, and two bathrooms. So... We have a lot of work to do. Some of it will go to that, but a small percentage. We do not keep the majority of the Christmas offering. The majority goes towards missions, missionaries, and works around the world, and towards something that is in our local community. And this year, we are partnering with the Daytona Beach Collaborative. And so, you can um, help us with that, and we're going to talk about how you can partner with them, besides giving financially, by talking about... Is the big three next? Let's talk about the big three. Boom. The big three. We're doing the big three this year. This is brand new. So you are getting in on the groundwork of the big three. Everybody say wahoo. Wahoo! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. What is the big three? Well, let's talk about that. The big three is the big thing, the big serve, and the big suffer. So let's go through these real fast, and I'm going to really go fast. So the first thing is the big thing. The big thing. You with me? Oh, it should be in there. There it is. Boom. Big thing. December 11th at 4 p.m. Now, during Advent, we sing a lot of songs. And we even sing a lot of carols. But we do them kind of fancy and new and tradi- and contemporary. This is the time. If you say, I just miss the carols. I miss, like, singing, like, regular, traditional Christmas hymns. Do, 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 do. This is for you. I'm so excited. We have Miss Nancy is going to be coming back and playing for us. I have my brother Ken right here is going to be singing. I have Debbie Johnson's going to be singing. I'll be singing. We're going to be like three or four of us around a piano. And we're going to sing Christmas carols. And so we want you to come. It's December 11th at 4 p.m. The next thing is the big serve. And this ties into the Daytona Beach collab. December 16th, which is a Friday, and December 17th. I saw Susie's post yesterday. They had expected between... 300 and 400 families, they have almost 600 families. That means because most families have more than one kid, they have over 2000 children that they are trying to provide gifts for. And that also means they have to distribute them. And so this is a time where you can help the Daytona Beach Collab and actually go and serve. And you get to be Santa or the elf for the day. And you get to help hand out Christmas presents to parents so that they have something to give to their kids on Christmas. Isn't that a nice thing to do? So this is a big one. Big serve. We are a church that serves. I encourage you to be involved in that. The next one is the Big Supper. So, we have a potluck every month. It's usually the first Sunday of the month. But in December, the first Sunday of the month is the Port Orange Parade, which means Dunlawton is going to be closed and everything's going to be crazy. And our daughters and a lot of you have people that are in the parade. So, we are skipping that and we're pushing it on to December 18th. We're going to have our big supper after our service. We're actually probably going to set up tables and we'll have a shortened service on the 18th Around tables, and then we're gonna have a Christmas dinner together before the family comes in and everything goes crazy. So you'll have one more moment of peace on the 18th before everything goes sideways. Um, and then I think there's one other announcement if I'm Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve is gonna be on December 24th this year. So put it on your calendar. <laughs> We're going to have our Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. At 5 o'clock, we're going to have our hot cocoa because nothing says Christmas in Florida like having a hot cocoa when it's 84 degrees outside. So that's what we're going to do. 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock service so that you can come. If you work, you can still make it here. If you have family traditions in the evening, you can still make it here. So I encourage you, be here. Sunday morning, we will not have church in here on Christmas Day. Um, we took a poll with a bunch of people, and there are so many moving parts that we will have um, a service that is pre-recorded for you on Christmas Eve that you can watch anytime from Christmas Day on. Um, but I wanted to make you aware of that. And I think that's it for me.
2: So we're married. I don't know if you know that. Um, and you look really cute today. Well, oh, So, uh, it's our our time that we uh, go into offering, and I just wanted to, I I don't want to talk, I'm sorry, I talk so much. I never get to see y'all. Hey. Um, So, the other day, Garen and I were meeting with a friend, and um, they were, like, interviewing us about some different things, and one of the questions was about how you've seen the hand of God in your life, and so, um, Garen was telling the story of, like, right after we got married, um, we didn't have any money not like not we had nothing and um and how we watched God work in our lives during that first year of marriage um we met with a guy in our church at the time who was like a financial expert <laughs> and we like wrote out everything you know all of our bills all of the things that we had to to pay or um rent food all of it and he sat there confounded. (laughs) And he was like, how are you guys surviving? Because I can see that you are giving, like you are tithing. Well, yeah, that's because that's what we do. He was like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I don't know how you guys have enough food in your pantry. I don't know. And we're like, we don't know either. We have no idea. But What he said to us was, this is just proof that God cares for us, and that when we model his generosity back to him, because it's all his anyway, when we model that oh the blessings that come from that are beyond what we can explain it really is and uh, i mean that's not the only time that that's happened in our lives but i will say that that lesson to us in our first year of marriage changed it all changed it all for us we're like we know we can we can trust god with um with what he's given us it's all his anyway <laughs> so this morning i hope that that encourages you um, to be like our generous God, you already are, and, um, and to show your trust in him um, by your tithes and offerings, and so we're just going to take a moment, you can give online um, all kinds of ways that you can give, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, everything we have is yours, and so help us to trust you with everything, because you are absolutely trustworthy we love you amen that's it no like music anymore okay all right well that's how that's how you can give so stand up y'all stand up stand up stand up you've been sitting for a while we're so close and cozy in here today we love this part of the service. Some of you absolutely hate this part of the service because you've got to talk to people and you're introverted. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, so if you see someone who looks terrified, just, you know, be nice and maybe don't tackle them. I don't know. Maybe do. That could, I, No, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, We're a church that believes that our relationship with God affects our relationship with each other. And so my prayer for you this morning, as we extend peace to each other, is that you are experiencing God's peace in your life, his unbelievable, unwavering, unexplainable peace, and that as you are experiencing that, that you just ooze it out of the pores of your body and that those around you can see and experience God's peace through you. And so let me be the first to say, maybe, may the peace of Christ be with you this morning. Thank you. Extend that peace to each other.
0: Oh, y'all, it is good to be here with you. We, we we missed y'all last week, so... All right, let me see where I'm going, and then we'll try to all get there. So, you know, we're heading into a different season, and, and I've been thinking about how we have different calendars. You know, you've got the... Um, the calendar where we celebrate New Year's, what is that, the Gregorian calendar? I don't know, what it we've got that. We've got astronomical calendars, where how long does it take for the, the Earth to go around the sun. We've got economic calendars, which, you know, usually the fiscal one is what? First of July to end of June or something. I don't understand why we can't all just decide on a start and stop date for everything, but I don't know. Uh, we've got school year calendars, you know, things start back in August and... Um, Every parent is happy and every child is sad, but that's the way it goes. And then we have, um, I think most of you know this if you've been in our church very long, but if you don't, we also have a Christian calendar. Um, and I know a lot of people always say, oh yeah, we know, Easter, Christmas. There are actually a lot of, a lot of things that we observe in the, in the Christian calendar um, and I think it's important because today is one of those days, and so I want to run through these very quickly. So this is going to be an overview. This is a, uh, the Christian calendar on a map starting in December, and we go all the way around. These are some of the holidays that we have. You know, we're starting next week in Advent. That's the start of our new year for the Christian calendar. Advent is, um, the thing I love about Advent is the first week is always hope. We always start the new year with hope. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody started their year with hope? Uh, so, uh, so I love that we do that. Advent always starts with hope. And Advent leads us to Christmas, which is where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and then Tide, which is actually 12 days. They even wrote a song about it. So this part leading up to Christmas isn't Christmas. This is Advent. Christmas is what happens after. Does that make sense? So from December 25th to January Fifth or fifth, somewhere around there um, is Christmas, and then you have Epiphany, which is January sixth. Epiphany is when we celebrate the wise men, the Magi coming. This is important to us because this is where we celebrate the fact that the good news comes to all people. This is not a Jewish thing. The Magi were from the east. This is for this is a reminder that Gentiles, you and me are included in this story of God. We were invited into this life of God. So that's what Epiphany is. So after Epiphany, we got a couple of normal weeks, and then we had, and they call them ordinary times. Um, That's what it means to not have anything major going on at that time. But then we get to Lent. Lent is one of my favorite seasons, and it is because it is possibly the most uncomfortable for me, and I think that that's good. I think we grow more out of discomfort than out of comfort. And so Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday and Lent remind us um, of just the importance of Christ and the cross. So Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. It's these preparation times that lead us to these Very important events. So it's during Ash Wednesday that you'll see people will go for the season of Lent giving something up, sacrificing something, um, not doing something, not going somewhere, not saying something, not drinking something. You know, they they give something up. We do that to remember and to prepare our hearts for Good Friday. Um. Perhaps the biggest um, day of irony as far as labeling, um, it was good for us. It was not good what happened. Um, But we do that to remember the costly price that was paid. We do that because we spend those 40 days in Lent because it's easy for us just to say, hey, this is all great and good. God loves me. I can be forgiven and keep living my life. And we... Do that to our peril because we forget that although it feels free to us and it is freely offered to us, a price was paid. A death occurred. That should change the way we live. And so Lent gets us into that mindset. We pray, we fast, we repent. And then we get to Holy Week and Holy Week... Um, Starts with Palm Sunday, and that's, you know, where we have the palm branches and then triumphal entry of Jesus. And the people are excited because they think, all right, here comes our king. He's going to overthrow the Romans. And during the course of the week, we start to get the idea that that wasn't what Jesus had in mind. Because he's not overthrowing Roman governments. He's overturning tables in the temple for people that are not acting the way God has called them to act. Um, Then you get to Monday, Thursday, which is where we remember um, the Last Supper. We remember the upper room and the time in the garden where Jesus um, prays urgently, God, I don't want to do this, but I want your will more than I want my comfort. And so I'm willing to be obedient even to the cross. Which brings us to Good Friday. It's when the light of the world was snuffed out. For your sake and for mine. It's Good Friday and Black Saturday that we sit with the pain and the anxiety that um, the disciples and the people that love Jesus sat with. The light has been extinguished. A lot of services will end their Good Friday service with you leaving in silence and darkness, and they will encourage you to say as little as possible between then and Easter Sunday and just sit with the silence. The Son of God has been crucified. Black Saturday, um, it's called that because the light has gone out. Um Good Friday and Black Saturday are actually, just a side note, to the only days that traditionally we don't offer communion because the sacrifice is taking place during those days. Um, But Easter, yay for Easter. Everybody say yay for Easter. Yay. Yay for Easter. Easter, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raised Christ from the dead. On Friday we have this defeat over sin. On Sunday, we have this defeat over death so that that means you and I, when we accept Christ into our lives, have this victory over sin and death. Amen. Amen. I need you all to be a little more vocal. Come on. So, so if I'm doing good, I need you to be vocal. If I'm doing bad, I need you to be vocal and help me do better. All right. So that's just how it goes. So we have these 40 days of Easter that leads us to Pentecost. Pentecost is right that line right there. Pentecost is the birth of the church. Happy birthday, church. Woo-hoo! A lot of times we'll have birthday cake. But this is when the Holy Spirit... Oh, I forgot about Ascension Sunday. Sorry. Before that, the week before, at 40 days, is Ascension where we celebrate that Christ has returned to the Heavenly Father and Christ now sits at the heavenly, at the side of God the Father, interceding for you and for me. And then Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes and... This is pretty incredible because in case you haven't read Romans, Paul says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. That's why we can pray for our friend Pharaoh. It's still up to God. It's God's will. But that same power is available to us today. So we have Pentecost, the birth of the church. And then right after that, the next week is Trinity Sunday. We celebrate that our God is triune. We have God, Son, Spirit and and. The way John Wesley would say it is, you have God who sends the Son through the power of the Spirit. And we work in reverse. We move by the power and motivation of the Spirit. It's God's prevenient grace, God's Spirit, that even lets us know that we need a Savior. It's, so we move by the Spirit. To and through the Son, so that we can give glory to God the Father. Do you see? So we work kind of in reverse. It's the power of the Spirit that brings us to Christ, brings us to salvation, and then through that, we bring glory to God by becoming image bearers of God. And so we have that, and then we skip all the way around to today which is Christ the King Sunday. This is the last day. This is our New Year's Eve. And this is where we celebrate that we believe that revelation is true and that God has all authority. Christ is Lord and King of all creation. And so we celebrate that. And that is a great place for us to finish our Lord's Prayer with this celebration of Christ's authority because our very last phrase, is a doxology. So we have the Lord's Prayer, and it finishes with, For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 for this. And here's, um, here's how I can tell if you have a certain kind of Bible, because mine says in verse 13, Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, if you have a King James Bible with you, you have this. If you have a new international version, if you have a new revised standard, new American standard, I use the New Living Translation, um, the ESV, this phrase is missing. Interesting, isn't it? We've prayed it our whole life, and yet it's technically not there if you look in your actual Bible. Most will have an asterisk or a note, and it says something like "Like mine says. Um, what does mine say? I have an asterisk, and you go down and says, Some manuscripts add, for thine is the kingdom. Um, others say, Other ancient, uh, ancient um, scriptures attribute this. For thine is the kingdom. But it wasn't in the original prayer. It was added later. So then the question becomes, do we include it? Do we not include it? Right? It seems weird to include something in, Jesus, in the prayer of Jesus that Jesus didn't pray, right? But if we don't, we end our prayer with the word Evil. Which seems like a really weird place to end our prayer, doesn't it? So, even though it's not in Matthew or in Luke's account of this, um, we say it, and, and, and here's kind of the background. The early church, which was comprised primarily, initially, of Jewish people that came to follow Christ as their Savior, And then Gentiles were added into the fold. They were grafted, um, as Paul would say. But if you've ever watched a Jewish service, you'll see that they sing their prayer. They sing their scripture. There is always a song of scripture that is done. And so they would get to the end of the Lord's Prayer and they would often sing, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. They would add their doxology of praise to the end of it. Because it was this rhythm that they had. And so we began incorporating it into the prayer because it's such a beautiful way to end the prayer. We begin praising God and we finish praising God. So they'd sing the song. Songs are so powerful, aren't they? Songs are, oh, do you have that song that gets stuck in your mind when you hear it? Um I will tell you we did Honey in the Rock uh we, we did it today when we did it two or three weeks ago for the first time I was singing that song all week and I still don't know the words so I'm like honey in the rock, everything in the, Honey in the Rock like but I could every day I woke up singing it I went to bed singing it it was wonderful and it was horrible I remember when I was a kid like like, songs will take you places. If you... Like, every time I hear The Devil Went Down to Georgia by... What is it? Charlie Daniel Band? All I think of is being in Aurora, Colorado at a roller skating rink shooting the moon or, or whatever it is where you're down... Because that's what you did when you were like seven or whatever it was. And that song was played all the time. And so, like, songs move us. They take us places. You know... Uh, a great song will, like, stay in your mind for hours. But here's the problem. A horrible song will stay in your mind forever. It just never leaves. It gets stuck in your head. And so, so here, here's a little game we're going to play. I asked some people at church. I said, hey, tell me a song that gets stuck in your head. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play a song, and you're going to have to figure out. This is Tim. Uh, he's one of our pastors. This is Susie. She's our preschool director. This is Danny. Dana, who leads CR and does all this. This is Pastor Jen. And I'm sorry about the pictures. I grabbed them all from Facebook. I didn't ask anyone. This is Debbie. She's a, a board member. This is Jim. He's back there. Say hi, Jim. Um, <laughs> this is Kimmy. She's another board member. And there I am. So here we go. You've got to figure out who gets what song stuck in their mind. Here's the first one.
1: wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round
0: the wheels You would think Susie, wouldn't you? Oh, that's actually Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Garen for the last four days since she told me that. I'm like, oh, ah. All right, let's try this one. And you might need to turn these up for me. You think Danny? You think Jim? Well, I will say, leave it to Danny to have the only Christian song that gets stuck in his head. That that one is Danny. All right. All right. Let's try this one.
1: Oh, yeah. There you go.
0: You weren't expecting Thriller dance, were you? And I'm sure it was riveting. Who do you think that is? Pastor Jen? You think me? That's Debbie. I tell you what, I learned a lot about these people this past week. It was very interesting. All right, let's see who this is. I don't remember the order, so I can't tell you. That that one, yeah, Jim. That like that that is you all the way through, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's the is that that was the Chevy song for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, you had to have that, didn't you? was that playing all the time in your dealership. Oh, in your head. All right. Alright, let's try this
1: one. Who's shark
0: <laughs> Yeah, that one is Susie. It's that may be the worst song ever written. Um, let's try this one. I heard, I heard me. I heard Jen. We're running out of options, so we know it's got to be. Oh, wait, are we the only two left or, or Tim? That one is Jen. And, and we, we have a friend, Todd, who will randomly call her and leave a voicemail and just start singing that like he doesn't have any purpose to call other than to get that in her head. So. all right, let's, So we've got two left. We've got Tim and we've got me. Let's see what we have. So y'all hear Tim? So y'all hear me? All right. How many thank Tim? How many thank me? Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which means this is Tim. So you ready for this one? Here we go. This may be the all-time class. All right. You ready? Here we go. Yep. Here we go. Yeah, tell you what. Oh, are you cringing over there? Now you have 15 seconds because we're running out of time, and, I, and I'm sorry, but 15 seconds. Song that gets stuck in your head. Tell your neighbor. Okay. Well, what, all right. What did you say? Tainted love is Tainted love. like. Yeah. And, It's a small world, oh, oh, if you go home singing that all week, that is totally Ken's fault. All right, one one or two more, what do you, what, 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 La Bamba, oh, la, 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 oh, my goodness, anyone else, oh, yeah, oh, my goodness, all right, all right, okay, yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could get this song stuck in our mind? How how could our life be different if we were intentional about letting this get stuck in our mind? God, yours is the kingdom. God, yours is the power and the glory. Forever. Growing up in church, um, I, raise your hand if at the end of a service or at the end of taking an offering, you would sing Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, yeah. Now at our church, we do, we sing, Hallelujah, let your kingdom... We have our own doxology, but um, but yeah, we had that. You guys worshipped really well today, by the way. It was great. When, when you have... The ears in, all you hear is the music, but you know that people are, when you hear people singing over your ears, you know, wow, yeah, you guys, um, you did you did great. Um, is that what comes to mind when you hear the word worship singing? Yeah. Well, hopefully you've been around, um, if you've been around our church long enough for the past five years, we've been, you know, preaching that. Um, Singing is only a portion of what worship is. And so I want to give us a working definition of worship. And I'm going to fly through this, so I apologize. Worship is our response. Our personal response and our corporate response to God for who God is and what God has done for us. Communicated by the things we say and the way that we live. It's our response, our personal response, but it's P.O. It's the church. It's our response to God for who God is. You remember the beginning of the Lord's Prayer? We talked about who God is and what God has done. The second part of the Lord's Prayer is our petition part, what God does. And it's communicated by the things we say and by the way that we live. Now, for it to have... For it to be our response, that means something has to happen first, right? You can't have an initial response. A response is always in response to something, right? There has to be a catalyst. There has to be an initial something that happens for us to respond. Otherwise, it's not a response, right? But we respond. I think of like I think of sports teams. Um, I want you. To think about how you respond to your sports team. So, when they're doing well, what do you do? You cheer, you hoop, you holler, you are like all in it. What do you do when when you're there and your team is struggling? (laughs) I wasn't expecting to blame the ref. Yeah, that happens a lot. I've noticed that, you know, like you've got that sixth man if it's if it's basketball or, or, you know, like the the crowd can actually really help participate and become part. And so a lot of times when your team is down, you'll cheer them on and you'll encourage them and you'll like, come on, you can do this. You've got this. I think it's interesting that our response in the good and the bad of our teams is both to encourage and to cheer and to praise our team. I'd propose, and this isn't part of it, but that should be how we should respond with our lives as well. I think of Job. Good and the bad. Blessed be your name. Our response is always, God, I trust you. I love you. We respond. We respond to so many things. We respond to a good movie. A good movie can make you laugh or cry. Um, A good book takes you places. We respond these days to the news cycle. Oh my word, how we respond. God, forgive us for how we respond. Myself included. So my question to you today is, how do you respond to God? I guess the follow-up question, if we want to go deeper, are you responding to God? Can people see that by the... Things that you say and the way that you live that you are responding to God? They should. They should see it in me. You know what sports team or what organizations I like by what I wear, what I post on Facebook. You know it by the mug that I carry. What if people knew where I stood with God by the way I lived a life of doxology, by the way I worshipped? Same with you. People can tell by the things you say and the way you live whether or not you're actually responding to God's mercy. So we respond to God. We respond to God how? We respond we respond to God for who he is. And that's the first part of the prayer that we talked about. Remember our father in heaven. We've got this father that loves us. This God who wants to be intimate. But we also have this God that is bigger than. So we don't get. God wants us to be close. But we also have this reverence because God is otherly. And we don't flippantly come to the creator of all things. We come with reverence and awe. It's this paradox of this father. Father. Not Father, type of thing. And we hallow God's name, we revere it, we we praise God for who God is. Remember, we went through some of the names of God. We praise God for being our provider and our Savior and our shield and our defender, um, our Messiah. So, um, this past week, um, my wife and well all of us actually went on a cruise. And um, Corey, turn out all the lights real fast. I, w- I want to see if this comes through. I want like this was the view. From like, yeah, this was the view. Can you see like, there's something about getting away from all the white noise. Can you see the stars? Like it was unbelievable. This was the shot from the back of our room, and I just sat there and I, I thought of Psalm uh, eight, and um, I could pull it up so that I remember it correctly. Um, when I think about, oh, where is it? When I look at the night sky and I see the works of your finger, God, what the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. I had this, this sense of awe of who God is this past week. It was just something to behold when you realize how small you are and then you realize, and we are really, really small compared to all that God is creating. And yet, we are cared for enough that God would send a savior. That that should do something to you. We respond for, to God for who God is. We respond to God for what God's done. And that's the second part. Remember, we talked about God gives our our bread. We we need physical needs met. We have. Um, we have um, temptations that we need you to, for, to help us against. We, God, we need forgiveness. So we pray for those things. We respond. We respond. We respond. Your life should be one response after another. The goal of the holy life, the Christian life, the sanctified life, is to have those responses Be shorter and shorter apart so that you are responding more and more and more and more and more to God who is always active and working in your life. Every Sunday, we respond. We respond through singing. Yes, that is how we worship. But hopefully you've heard us say time and time again, offering, giving is an act of worship. Our communion, our time at the table, this is an act of worship. Worship, our community, our pathing of the peace. This is worship. Some of, the, some of the movements in our service are emotional and you get all the feels, and some of them are you kind of just do them because that's what you do. And both are right. And even beyond movements, there are people. Some of y'all are feelers. You know, like, like I love, like I'm, when I'm up here, I see Miss Janison. She's up, she is just worshiping, she is feeling it. It is in her. That's awesome. She's got the emotion. She's got the excitement. There are others of you that are thinkers. And I have to remember that it's not that you're mad. You're just really processing, wow, what did that, that phrase really hits me? What does that mean? And you're thinking and you're, you're going through with your mind. And you're contemplating. What does that mean? And both styles are welcome. Both personality traits are welcome here and everything in between. It's not how you respond. That matters. What matters is that you are called to respond to God. Um, Louis Giglio, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, He founded the Passion Movement, I don't know, 25 years ago. And half of the songs that we sing in churches today are from artists that have been affiliated with the Passion Movement. This is what Louis Giglio says. There's a direct correlation between our appreciation for the radical grace of God and the expression of worship that is coming out of our lives today. There's a connection between how much you feel forgiven and how you worship. That's scary to think about, but I think he's right. Now the pitfall with us who live in America and we have everything we need and we have the mindset of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. God blesses those who bless themselves. The problem is those are great slogans and they work in the work world and they work in certain areas of our life but that mindset has no place in our relationship with God. Because we can't pull ourselves out of sin. This is a God thing. We can only respond to the grace of God, to the goodness of God's spirit that's working in our lives to bring us to Jesus for repentance so that we can glorify God. That is our only hope. And this, y'all, this is what I'm living for. This is what I'm hoping for someday someday. What would it be like if we were responding so much that I was frustrated? What if it was like, oh my word, they will not stop singing its song. after They're just praising, they're injured. I'm not going to get to my sermon because they're singing so much. Oh my goodness. They're giving and they're giving and they're giving. We're running out of ministries to support in the city. People are all okay. What am I going to do? They won't stop giving and they're so excited. They're clapping when we say it's time for the offering because they get a chance to give. I don't understand what's going on. Oh my goodness. We're running out of space. We can't start enough small groups because people just want to know more and more of the word. They want to grow together with God and grow together with each other. And this is crazy because something is happening and we're growing together. And Oh my word. Could you imagine what a wonderful frustration that would be for a pastor, (laughs) honesty check. That's not where we are. Now, in fairness, that's not where probably 98% of the churches in America are. Probably a pretty close percentage globally, too. But maybe, maybe if this doxology could get stuck in our heads. If we could really see, God, everything is yours. It's, it's your kingdom. You say the, key, the kingdom of heaven has come, and I want to help build the kingdom here. God, it's, it's your power. What if, what if we could start to believe everything we do? In you, we live and move and have our being. Everything we do is through your power. What if it was less about who notices us and more about who notices you, God? It's your glory. Yeah. Everybody likes a pat on the back, but really what we want is a doxology that says it's about him. It's about him. It's about him. Not, it's like um, the hymn said, not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, the problem is, I wonder whose kingdom we're living in. Are we living more in our kingdom or are we living in God's kingdom? And that's something you have to ask yourself. Are you so invested in your kingdoms? I've got to make money to provide for my family. I've I, I got to have this job because it's the only job I want, and it means that it pulls me away from this or that, and I can't, I can't be involved because of this or that. Or... When we don't give generously... It's a sign that we're building the wrong kingdom. When we choose our jobs over our families, don't get me wrong, we need jobs. But that's a sign that maybe we're building the wrong kingdom. When we say, yeah, it's important for the church to gather together. I mean, Scripture says, don't forsake the assembly. of Yeah, but I mean, it's a beautiful day at the beach. I'll just worship God in nature today. Maybe we're building the wrong kingdoms. Because the truth is, we're all building a kingdom. You may not realize it, but you've got you got a metaphorical shovel in your hand. You're building something. The question is, whose kingdom are you building? I wonder how many of us are more caught up in our own power. More than, more than God's power. I can do it. I'm a self-made man. Y'all, that lifestyle is exhausting. How do more people not see that? And it's futile. You're not strong. You're not powerful enough. And the power you have is a poor substitute for the power that God has. This past week we got away. Jen, we don't get away as much as we should. And we're working on that because I need to get away. I can't lead you out of a place of deficiency. I, I lead. have to lead out of a a place of surplus where I have the power of God in me because I'm taking time to rely on God's power, not making it all happen myself. Which is what I'm prone to do. Oh, we didn't get any help. That's okay. I'll just do it. I need rhythms like that. So, real fast. This is only like 15 seconds. I'll show you one of the things I did this past week. Um, uh, This was me getting away from it all. If you like me, you'll be proud of me. If you don't like me, you'll love the last second or two. And there he goes. He's surfing, he's surfing, he's surfing, he's surfing. And face plant. Yeah, yeah. Right there. Boom! I needed that. It's easy for me to forget that I don't have enough power to make things happen. So we're building into our lives a rhythm that will help us rely upon God's power. I wonder how many of us struggle because we're more concerned with our own glory than giving God glory. If we're going to be image bearers, that means they don't see me, they see the image. Right? Which means if you are receiving all the glory and you're not giving it back to God... It means that the praise is misplaced. The only good that we have is because of the glory of God. And we are called to give it back and deflect to God. So, here we go. This is the last Sunday in the sermon, in the Lord's Prayer, so it's the last time we'll have four questions. Unless you like how we end the... Like I don't know if you've liked how we've ended these services or not. But I want you thinking, because I don't want this to be, yeah, I listened and then I left. I want a question to be stuck in your brain all week that you're just chewing on. If worship is my response to God, how am I worshiping? Am I actively living a life of worship throughout the week? Do I see worship as I come here and sing and then I live my life and trust God to bless me or is everything I do an act of worship? What's one area in my life where I can respond with a deeper level of gratitude? This is, this is the month of gratitude. And so often we give thanks for superficial things. Not that those things aren't worth being thankful for. But I want you to dig deeper. What's one area in my life that I can respond with a deeper level of gratitude? And then I want you to bring it here and apply it to our local church setting. In which part of the worship service will I choose to respond more intentionally? Maybe it means I'm going to be more responsive when the pastor is preaching. I want him to know that, that he's, he may not be doing good, but he's doing his best. <laughs> It means that I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and instead of just standing there and reading the words, I'm going to actually sing. Or I'm going to maybe raise my hands or close my eyes. It means that when it comes to the offering time, I'm going to actually give. It means that when we call for service, I'm not just going to say, yeah, man, that's a great cause. I'm sure people will step up. But I'm going to get involved. How am I going to intentionally respond in worship? am I building a kingdom with, or I'm building a kingdom with my life, is my kingdom, is it my kingdom, or is it God's kingdom? This is the reality check that you have to face. What needs to change in order for me to fully commit to building God's kingdom? Because I have a feeling, more of us than not, are kind, it's not that we're not building God's kingdom, we're just building our kingdom on the side. It's, Well, maybe if I can build both a little bit. Kind of hedge my bets. The life of surrender is not an opt-in or opt-out thing. The life of following Jesus is an all-in. That's the only option there is. I'm all-in or I'm not. What can I do to be all-in building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Last question, as we conclude this Lord's Prayer series, um, our hurricane kept us from building the other half of the prayer because we honestly didn't have space. Um, But as you think back, has there been a phrase that's been most impactful in your life? Maybe this is where we've been encouraging you to journal. Maybe you look back over a couple of, the sermons this past week and you just say, wow, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a big deal. Why was it impactful? And how will you nurture the seed of this prayer, the Lord's prayer, so that it can become stronger in your heart? Jesus, this prayer It has taken us forever to get through, and yet we just scratched the surface. I guess it's just further proof that your word is alive and active and it wants to speak to us. And so, God, I pray that your words will do their good work in our hearts. God, I don't care that anybody hears or remembers anything that I've said, but I pray that your spirit who is with us now has been speaking in people's hearts and that they are responding to you. More than they're responding to me, I want them to respond to you. Jesus, I pray that we'll live our lives as a doxology, that we'll live our lives building your kingdom, relying upon your power, and giving you all the glory. Because I guarantee if we respond that way, People will notice. We don't have to ask, do people notice because of what you say or do? They will notice, God, if we are living our lives like this prayer. I confess that I don't think people notice it as much in my life as they need to. So I pray that you'll help me change. I want this prayer to be your prayer. I want this prayer to be my life jesus i pray that for my friends too so god do your good work god some of us need to pray right now some of us need to take steps of action god we're all called to respond and i pray that we'll do that now thank you that the first way we can respond is by coming to your table This place of grace that is open for all. You don't discriminate and you don't police your table. You invite everyone. God, you invited John, the one that you loved, and you invited Judas, the one who betrayed you. All are welcome at your table. Thank you. Maybe this is our first step of response. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we come to the table, we remember that on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he sat in the upper room with his disciples, and they ran the gamut of where they were on their responsibility. And yet all were invited. That doesn't mean Jesus wasn't calling all to change And follow him completely, but the table was open for all. So, if you're visiting with us, um, if you're not a member, that's okay. We in the Church of the Nazarene serve an open table. This is open for all who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or all who are actively seeking. And we believe. we believe what our theological forefather believed. John Wesley said that this can be your first act of salvation. You coming and receiving is a step that says, I don't know all of this, but I want to know more. And this can be a moment of salvation for you. And if that's you, I want to talk to you afterwards. I want to tell you about this Jesus and what all of this means. But when, when Jesus was in the upper room, he met with his disciples And they were celebrating the Passover, the deliverance um, from Egypt. Oops, let me get to the... I don't know if I can get there. It might take Emma. They were celebrating what God had done. They had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, and God, through miracle after miracle, liberated them. So every year they celebrated the Passover. they broke bread, they drank from the juice. And we understand this side of the cross, that when Jesus uh, spoke of himself, a lot of times he said he was the bread of life. We understand that Jesus was broken for us. We understand that his blood was shed for us. And so On that night, when they were talking about what had happened thousands of years ago, Jesus was saying, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something different. So he held up the bread and he said, this bread, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. Take, eat, and be thankful. And then he held up the cup. and he offered thanks and he said this cup this represents the new covenant the old covenant was good but i'm doing something new the old covenant needed you to come back again and again and again and i'm doing something i want to transform you this is my blood which will be shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. So take it, drink it, and be thankful. So I want to invite you to come to the table um, here at our church. Um, our practices, we come up, and I'll offer you the bread, and you'll get a piece, and you'll just dip a little bit into the cup, and you can take it right then. Right then. And uh, for convenience sake and for ease of craziness, If we can work our way this way and then return to our seats that way, so y'all will kind of have to shift through or back. Um, But this is an act of worship, as we remember. So Jesus, take these elements, bless them, multiply them. Um, May they be continually multiplying in our lives as we are then sent out to be your representatives. Which means sometimes... We get hurt too. But we trust you. Thank you, God. Amen. So, as you are so inclined, the table is open. You. What a beautiful weekly reminder. Young, old, man, woman, black, white, educated, uneducated, we all stand level at the foot of the cross, and your grace extends to all of us. So we thank you, God. I pray that we will live our lives on mission for you. And just as we've taken in this bread and this juice, and it's going to nourish our bodies for just a little bit, we know that the world needs a little bit of you. So may we become what you have called us to be. You have told us in Matthew 5 that we are light. God, may we be the light you've called us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, we've gone long, and I apologize, but I had two weeks to make up for, so uh, will you stand with me? I pray that the time has been worth it for you. So at our church, if you're visiting, we sing our benediction, Um, and so if you know it, sing it with me so that I'm not singing it by myself, and if not, just receive it. And we even, uh, you'll see a lot of us will hold our hands out, and that's not anything Crazy other than just a reminder that this is only something that we can receive. We, we can't do anything outside of respond. And so um, sing with me. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim Let your will be done in us. Oh, y'all sound good. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week for the first week of Advent. You get an Advent. You get an Advent. Everybody gets an Advent.